right, well, good morning, Abundant Life. My name is Chad. If you have a copy of God's Word, and I hope you do, once you find the book of Ephesians chapter 3 is where we're going to be at uh, this morning. We're continuing this series called Handmade, and man, it's been incredible, and what you just saw, if you're just now picking up and joining us, is one of our church members, Dr. Jay Rapley, um, what he does on the side, he's an orthopedic surgeon, that's his main jam, and on the side, he... Uh, he makes these guitars, and so th this guitar is one that he literally put together, that he fashioned, that he brought together. What we've been saying in this series is that Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says that you are Christ's workmanship, that, that you are his, his, his handmade people, and you have been created, created in him for good works in which he predestined or prepared in advance for you to do. And so we've been kind of juxtaposing this guitar with this palette, and, and so um, Pastor Phil's kind of been hating on this palette, you know, and, and uh, but what happened was one of our church members was like, hey, hey don't underestimate the palette, y'all. Uh, you can undo the palette, and then you can redo uh, some things with the palette and make some artwork out of the palette as well. So our hope in this series is that every time you see a guitar or every time you see a palette, that you would think about Ephesians 2.10, that, that you are his workmanship, that you are an instrument in the hands of a mighty God when you are fully surrendered over to him, and, and that maybe when you see the power that you would remember that, that God is like the OG fixer-upper, all right? Like, he, like he, he's like the divine Chip and Joanna Gaines, and he wants to undo you so that he can redo you and repurpose you. And so as I was thinking about this, uh, this series and this morning, I, I really am not that great with, with woodworking, but I do like to create some things in my own time, and, and the meeting medium that I use primarily is leather. And so if we don't know each other, um, I worked for a saddle maker in college, and I learned some um, different things about how to make things out of leather. And one of my most favorite things to make is luggage. And so my, my girls, I have three daughters and a wife, they're down in Texas right now. They sent me this picture. Here's the luggage that, that they're sporting down in Texas. And so here's some things that I've made out of leather. And I love making things out of leather, especially luggage, because you take all these different, like, diverse um, hides and hardware, and you, you bring it all together. And, and this luggage, I predict that it's going to outlive me, and hopefully it'll be passed down from generation to generation. Um, but it's, it's tough. It's durable. Um, it's beautiful. Um, I'm really proud of my work. And and, and then also, um, what I love to do in particular, and you can see this piece of luggage right here a little bit closer, is that I love to um, carve things in the leather. So I carved every flower, every leaf, every vein. This is all hand carved. And, and this was maybe like my favorite piece of, of thing, or piece of thing, piece of luggage that I've made. You know what I'm saying, it's English. Anyway, um, and so I, I, I love this, and I made this for my wife. Um, and what I did, what you can't see, because I like a little mystery, um, what you can't see is that, is that I embedded and etched in this design these messages for my wife. And so it's like, hey, th this is a phrase that I call you. These were messages of identity. Uh, these were messages of, of my affection for her. Hey, I love you, like a you know, short three-letter phrase that means so much between her and I. And so I like a little mystery, so I, I made this for her, I gave it to her, and, and I said, hey, I hid some messages in the artwork, why don't you see if you could find them? And so she starts looking, and she found one or two, but she really couldn't unlock the mystery on her own, and so I came alongside of her, and I was like, look, right there it says this, and, and right over here it says this, and, and I began to reveal to her the message or the mystery that was embedded in this creation that I made for her. And I share that story with you this morning because did you know that God is a creator? It's kind of like in his job description, all right? And so he's created some things, and, and he loves a little mystery as well that he has embedded in his creation throughout history. 
Like that God has etched into history these messages of love and identity. But, but we, we as a people, we couldn't figure it all out. And so God came alongside of us through the person Jesus and he began to unlock these mysteries that, that God has he's made something that is beautiful, that is durable, that is, that is gonna outlive all of us. That, it, that I would say this is the most precious thing that Jesus has made. That, that Jesus, that this thing that he made, it's, it's, a, it's incredible and he invites all of us to be a part of it. That, that Jesus took all of these diverse things and he brought them together in this one thing and this thing that Jesus made that is his most favorite thing is the church. That Jesus loves the church. Like he plans on spending eternity with the church. He calls the church his bride. He calls the church his body. That Jesus, he died for the church. But what's crazy is that we've come in here with this kind of American Christianity that has divided some things that the scripture never divides. Like, let me explain it this way, that, that we have this mentality in our culture that you can love Jesus, but you don't have to be in love with the church. There was a recent study done, and here's what they found, that 81% of Americans answered yes to this question. Do you believe that you can be a very good Christian without attending church? And 81%, according to this study, said yes. But, but what's crazy is that you, when you read the scriptures, you cannot say you love Jesus and not have a deep love for the things that Jesus loves. Like that, that would be like you and me kicking it, hanging out, and you were like, Chad, you my boy. You know, we had like a special handshake, you know, where we bump elbows and, and we're hanging out for a little bit. And we had a tight relationship, and I was like, hey, I want to introduce to you my wife, Chelsea. And Chelsea is like the most significant person in my life. And you were like, look, Chad, like you and me, we tight, but I ain't down with the wife. I just ain't down with the wife, you know? And so, and I'm gonna be like, hey, look, I ain't down with you then, bro. We're kind of a combo deal, all right? <laughs> like, like, you can't say that, Chad, I love you, but I don't want nothing to do with your wife. Or, or if I could just hang out with her just a little bit. No. And that all makes sense to us, right, in that context. But when we read that the church is the bride of Christ, and then we start saying, Jesus, I love you, but, but I don't know if I love your church. Jesus is saying, well, that doesn't make sense. And so Jesus, he's inviting us to, to be a part of this thing, this body, this bride called the church. And he's embedded these, these messages and we are called to unlock this mystery to a watching world. And he wants everyone to be involved. He wants everyone to, to join the stage, if you will, that you are an instrument in the hands of God. And so if you're taking notes this morning, and I hope you are, I've titled this message that you are made for the mystery. You were made for the mystery, and I want you to know the mystery. I want you to share the mystery, and I want you to live the mystery. So Paul, he's in this Roman prison writing this letter to the church at Ephesus, and the church at Ephesus was like one of the most influential churches in the Roman Empire, and he's been writing these amazing truths, like some of the most beautiful uh, theological truths that Paul ever wrote are oozing off the pages of this book to the Ephesian church, and it's like Paul is just so enamored with the grace of God. He's like, oh my goodness, like we are the luckiest people to know this glorious truth and God is doing this amazing thing and I'm so excited about it. And this is where we pick up in the story or in the letter that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. Ephesians 3, starting in verse one, it says this. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ, 
Jesus for you Gentiles. Notice that he's imprisoned by the Roman Empire, but he's not a prison to Rome. He's not a prisoner to Rome. That he he understands that he is imprisoned to Jesus. That God is in control of Paul's life, and there's no arguing that with Paul. Verse two, he goes on, he says, if indeed you have heard the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you. Now this word dispensation of grace, this can be a little bit confusing. You could just write out in the margin of your Bible if you do that, just write out the word manager. Like, like this word dispensation means that God is giving you grace that, that, that you are called to steward and to take care of and to manage. That, that every one of you, if you know Christ, God has given you grace to take care of. Verse three says, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery. You can circle that word. We'll come back to that in a second. As I've briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it, is now being, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. He's like, man, these are exciting times. We know the mystery of Christ. He, he's come alongside of us and said, look at that word, and look at this word, and, and look at these things that are etched in history. And here's the specific mystery that he continues to talk about in verse six, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. Point number one, if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write this down. I want you to know the mystery. I want you to know the mystery. So Paul uses this word mystery like over 20 times in the New Testament. And there's seven New Testament references or manifestations of this mystery. And they, they mean lots of different things, and he interprets the manifestation of this mystery in a few different ways. But in this text, he's saying, like, this is, this is mind-blowing, y'all. He's like, man, the Jews and the Gentiles, they're one body. Like, this would have been crazy to Paul. And I don't know if you were here last week, but Pastor Phil did a great job out of Ephesians chapter 2. And, and he said that God has torn down the walls that divide us. And so the church is meant to be this eclectic movement of diverse people that come together underneath the banner of Jesus in harmony. Like Jesus never envisioned a uniform church. What I mean by that is, is we shouldn't all look the same. We shouldn't all dress the same. We shouldn't all come from the same places that God envisioned a church that is not uniform, but a church that is united and diverse, all right? And we celebrate diversity underneath the banner of unity towards Jesus. And Paul's saying that this is a mystery of God, that he's doing this movement and bringing it all together. And so Paul is like just scratching his head. He's like, oh, this is amazing. And as you read the writings of Paul in the New Testament, what you find is that Christ is the key that unlocks the mystery. Like the banner, the mystery of Christ that that we find on the pages of the New Testament. If you're taking notes, you could write this down. It's, It's this, that the mystery of the Bible is that Jesus came to give salvation freely. Like Paul, he would have been like, man, this just doesn't make sense. Like God, stepped off his throne in the form of Jesus to redeem us. Do you know this mystery? Like, like, do you know the gospel? Like Jesus, I mean, God, I mean, this omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, omni-everything, right? Eternal, big, mighty, awesome, righteous, holy God came for you and for me. I think a lot of us were like, okay, yeah, I get that. You know, God's like, he's kind of like me, but just a little bit better, right? But that's, that's, not, that's not how we, we understand God in the scriptures. Let, 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 me, let me explain this. I want you to think about the worst person you know. Don't look at them, all right? Some of y'all are pointing, yeah? All right, all right, look at me, all right? Just blink if you're sitting next to them, okay? 
<laughs> no, seriously, I want you to think about the worst person you know. Like, 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 think of three people, like Stalin, Hitler, and then somebody else. They all came together, you know, and they had like just this, this one like really, really bad person. And here's what I want you to understand. That you are infinitely closer to that person than you are to God. That, that God is holy that we are this rebel race that lives and dies on this little speck called earth that is suspended in this vast universe. And God came, Paul's like, this, is, this just doesn't make sense. He came to give you salvation freely and to call you into a body called the church. And Paul, he's just mesmerized by this. Do you know the mystery? Are you blown away by the privilege it is to know Jesus? The mystery of the Bible is that Jesus came to give salvation freely and unite us. And for me, like, this is crazy. Like, the more that I understand about God and, like, all of his bigness and all of his rightness and, like, when I, when I see pictures of galaxies and stars and I'm like, ah, oh, Lee, and I see, like, the depths of our own ocean, you know? I'm like, God made all of this, you know? I'm like, he is bigger than I ever thought he was. And, like, the more I see his, his bigness and the more I live with me and understand the depth of my depravity, the more I see that this chasm that exists between God and me, that the cross had to fill, and the more I understand the, the dichotomy of these two things, the more magnification the cross is in my life. The more magnified, excuse me, the cross is in my life. Do you know the mystery? Like, do you know God? John 17 says this, that, that this is eternal life, that you know the one true God and his son Jesus. I'm not talking about did you hear about him, I'm talking about do you know him. I met a man right here on Tuesday night, and I said, hey, has your life been changed by Jesus? And he said, well, you know, I've been through some things. And I had, I had some, you know, kind of a season about a year ago. I said, okay, that's great, yeah, I get that. But has your life been changed by Jesus? I'm like, we got, to, we got to define, like, have you had a defining moment where you can say, you know God, like you surrendered your life to Jesus. Have you had that moment? We would love for you to have that this morning. Paul, he goes on in Ephesians 3, starting in verse 7, and he's talking about this gospel, right? He says in verse 7, of which I became a minister. Now, don't think like, you know, like, you know, he works at a church staff. This word minister literally means servant. He says, I became a servant according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. I love verse eight. He says this, to me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach. So this word preach, don't think like he strapped on a mic and did what, kind of what I'm doing with guitars and palettes. Like, no, no, preach literally means that you just share the good news, right? That, that you, like the royals won and you believe it, right? And you just share that news. I don't know if they did or not, but anyway, you know what I'm saying. And so you share good news convincingly. That's what it means to preach. He says that I should preach among the Gentiles, notice this, the unsearchable riches of Christ. Point number two, if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to share the mystery. I want you to share the mystery. See, the mystery is not a secret any longer. The mystery is not a secret, and, and God has charged you, church, and me to make known the mystery. Like, are you sharing the mystery? And I love Paul's mentality in this text because, because you know, in verse 8, he's like, man, like, 
no one saw this coming in my life. I am the least likely person to be preaching to you guys. And I love this because I resonate with Paul because I don't know about you, but I, I just grew up thinking that like special people were called to ministry. Like, like, you know, like you, you all went to school with that really good person. You're like, oh yeah, they, yeah they're, gonna, they're gonna be a pastor someday. And then there was me, you know? And so like, I just thought like, you know, like you had to have like this voice of God and then this anointing that came from somewhere. I'm like, you get those at Walmart, I don't know. You know, and, and, and I just thought, but the more I read this book, the more I realize that we're all called to ministry. If you know Christ, listen, every salvation story has been prepackaged with a sermon. And if you know Christ, he has given you a message to preach, to be a minister. And this is good news to me, because man, I, I didn't grow up in the pedigree of pastors, right? Like, like the fact that I'm up here is just crazy. Like I'm just scratching my head too. Like I'm the least likely person that would be up here with my Bible open talking to you guys. Like my dad didn't wake me up when I was like nine years old. I was like, hey buddy, let's go, let's go read the Bible together, right? No, like he, he said, hey buddy. Could you go get me a beer, right? That was my dad, all right? Not Bible verses, go get me a Coors Light. That was my father, maybe, maybe yours. Anyway, and so that's how I grew up. My dad was a roughneck, and he worked in shipyards and oil fields. And, and so the environment we grew up in was not one that I was like destined to be a pastor, but by the grace of God, hallelujah, he stepped into my life and he called me. And by the grace of God, he uses the fools of the world to preach the wisdom of God. He wants to do that for you as well. So you could write this down, that God will pick the most unlikely people to do the most extraordinary things when we are willing to serve him. Like Paul says this, that I've, I've been called to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And that, that phrase, unsearchable riches of Christ, it's like God has, if you know him, um, he has trusted you to manage the largest account of his, that he has, right? Like, you, you've, you've, you've sealed the deal with God. You have his largest account. You have the unsearchable riches of Jesus that you are called to steward and to manage. Are you sharing the mystery? Charles Spurgeon said, we, either, we are either missionaries or we are imposters. Right. When was the last time you shared your faith? When was the last time you, you shared the mystery of Christ? God, he's engraved these messages on your heart to make known, just like I engraved those messages on that bag, to make known to the world his love and what, what his people are to him. Like, when was the last time you shared your faith? Some of you are like, man, I don't know how to share my faith, right? Like We come in here, I mean, we know we ought to do those things, but how do we do that? Well, let me give you three things that you're going to need in order to share your faith. You're going to need curiosity. You're going to need courage and clarity. Let me explain those, those few things. Curiosity, you're going to need to uh, go up to people and instead of like preaching at them, you need to start with curiosity. You could use this phrase. Hey, just out of curiosity, you could ask this question. I love this question. Do you have a faith? See, questions, um, they disarm people. Qu uh, statements, they arm people. And so you go up and just, hey, just out of curiosity, do you have a faith? And then be quiet and listen. Because everybody loves sharing their own opinion, y'all. And so let them share their opinion, and then most of the time, they'll allow you to share your belief. And so you're going to have curiosity, but at some point, you've got to have courage to turn the conversation towards the gospel. And this is where you're going to need courage and clarity. 
Now, if you're looking for a few verses to be able to share the gospel with clarity, let me just give you five that you should write down. We'll leave it up here for a minute. You need to write these down. And if you just had the people read, read these Bible verses, you don't even have to memorize them, just mark them in your Bible. This will work you through uh, the, the problem of sin, the solution of a savior, and how you respond to Jesus. This is called the Romans Road. And if you believe in Jesus and he's your Lord and Savior, you need to memorize these five verses at least, all right? Make that your, you know, July resolution, all right? And you just need to memorize those and get those locked in your heart so that you can lead with curiosity, courage, and clarity. So, so let me explain how this breaks down. Uh, Pastor Phil and I and one of our church members, we, uh, we went to one week this last week. It was awesome, man, seeing God move. <laughs> Well, we, anyway, and so uh, it was great, man. I mean, seriously, God did some amazing things there. We got to see teenagers turn their lives over to Jesus and, and those repent of their sin leaders. I mean, God was moving in every age group, those that were volunteering and those that were there as campers. It was awesome. And anyway, I talked to Pastor Phil and this other guy. I was like, hey, we should go to this place called Roosters in St. Louis for breakfast. And if you've never been there, you should go. And so we went to this breakfast place and, and we were sitting out on the patio and this, our waitress came by and she was wearing a t-shirt and she had this, this tattoo that was popping out of her t-shirt. And so as she began to wait on us, I said, hey, just out of curiosity, what does your tattoo mean? Oh, and she just pulled her sleeve up and began to tell me. And, and it got serious real quick. She said, well, when I failed a suicide attempt, I got this tattoo as a reminder. Now, she didn't know she was waiting on a table full of pastors, right? And so, <laughs> you know, I had the curiosity and then, and then feel, you know, Phil does not lack in courage, all right? Phil, Pastor Phil does not lack in courage. And so he's like, uh, well, I found Jesus Christ as my only hope, you know, to make it through my hardest times, you know, and he just went for it, man. And he had the courage and he spoke up. And, and, then, and then over the next 45 minutes, there was this dialogue when she would come and go from our table and we would just have this spiritual conversation and we would make known the mystery of the gospel. And God wants you to have those conversations too. Like, when was the last time you shared your faith? Evangelism is one of the core values of abundant life. We want to reach people far from Christ. Do you want to join in this mission? Sadly, a lot of people don't. Barna Group did a recent study, and they studied people that believe like we believe and are involved in churches. They found like 95 to 97% of the people believe that they had an obligation to share their faith. Like if you claim to know Jesus, you should tell people about him. And then they asked a follow-up question, who was the last person that you told? And the percentages were crazy. They divided them up into different generations, and they found that according to this poll, the millennials, 48%, almost 50% of the millennials, believed it was wrong to share their faith with somebody that believed differently. Before you start casting stones, look in your own heart. Because I think we can all believe, we can all say that we believe that we should share our faith, but are you sharing your faith? Because we say what we think, but we do what we believe. When was the last time you shared your faith? And we wanna do this as a church. This is why we're trying to expand the mission and the movement of Jesus into other areas. And so I don't know if you know this, but there's a town uh, east of here, uh, Blue Springs. I don't know if you've heard of this town. Anyway, it's pretty close, and we're launching a campus there. And, and maybe you come in here, and this is news to you, but, but we're gonna launch a campus in Blue Springs here in a couple of months, and we would love, if you live in that area, to get involved, man, to make known the mystery in Blue Springs and the surrounding region. You can go to this website and let us know that you're, you wanna get on board with the Blue Springs campus. 
And this is something that we wanna do. We wanna move the gospel into other cities in the Metroplex, but not only in other cities, but we wanna move the gospel worldwide. I don't know if you know this, but we have a globe in our lobby space, right? And that's not there because we like the blue and continents. It's there because we love what Jesus loves and he loves the world. And so we wanna see people be sent out all across the world. That's why I'm so encouraged by this family that's about to go to Uganda. Like that's just east of Blue Springs, all right? I don't know if you know that or not, okay? And they're going to Africa with their family to make known the mystery of the gospel. Do you know that there's billions of people that have never heard the gospel? In this chart right here, if this is the world in 10 people, 30% have no access to the gospel. Just to kind of give you a visual, if you had 25 lines of people wrapped around the equator, marching to hell, not even being able to reject the gospel because they've never heard it. This is what that means. I was talking with Bill Gibbs, he's our outreach pastor, and I said, I said Bill, what, what can we do as a church to respond to this? And, and he said, well, I mean, ask the church to pray. Pray um, for the, our missionaries and our global partners, and, and then go. Like, we, we have these teams that have been coming and going. We have teams out in Asia right now. We had a team in Jamaica just recently, one in, in Bogota, Colombia, and like, there's these opportunities for you to go and to share the mystery with the lost and dying world. Some of you are like, I'll pray, but I don't know if I need to go because God hasn't told me to go. I haven't heard the voice of God. Jim Elliott, a famous, a famous missionary in the 1950s, and a, he wound up being martyred for his faith. Here's what he said. He said that you don't need a voice, you have a verse. That verses are better than voices. And the scripture's real clear, Pastor Phil quoted it earlier, that we are to go into all the nations and to make disciples that we need to be ascending church. We ask you to tithe of your, of your assets every week, but we need to tithe our people to go and make the mission known. And this is what it means to share the mystery. In verse nine, Paul picks up and he says this, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery. You could circle that phrase. He says, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom, that word manifold means like multicolored, like brilliant, awesome wisdom. He says, to make known the manifold wisdom of God, excuse me, might be made known by the church. So the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities, you can circle that word, and powers in the heavenly places. It, our job is so much bigger than we thought. Verse 11, he says, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, that this has been the plan from the get-go, that we were created in Christ Jesus for good works in which, in which he prepared in advance for us to do, that, that before God laid the foundations of the earth, he drew the blueprint of the church. This wasn't like a, a reactionary thing. This was the plan all along. Verse 12, in whom we have boldness, and access with confidence through faith in him. Therefore, I, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Point number three, and finally, you could write this down. I want you to live the mystery. 
I want you to live the mystery. And what I mean by that, when I say live the mystery, the mystery is this, that Jesus has made known that he wants a loving relationship with you. He wants to save you is what we say in the church. But the way you live the mystery is that you respond to the gospel and then you get plugged in to the church. This is what it means to live the mystery. And Paul is making it abundantly clear that the church is to display the beauty of his wisdom to all of creation. That he calls us the fellowship of the mystery. And the fellowship of the mystery, it displays the glory of God to, to the whole creation that, that our vision at, at Abundant Life, and y'all can help me finish this, that we are to be living proof of a loving God to a watching good. But Paul would say our vision came up short. That we are to be living proof of a loving God to a watching universe. He says that we make known the manifold wisdom of God to the powers and the principalities in the heavenly places. They were like, what, what Paul is saying is like, the church is, has so much more influence and impact that, that we are not just to be the light of the world. We're to be the light of the universe. Like the angels and demons, they're scratching their head and they're looking at this thing called the church in awe of the glory that Jesus is receiving when they see the way that we are sacrificially loving one another. That, that Paul, he would have never had imagined a brideless Christ Therefore, he would have never had imagined a churchless Christian. But again, we come in here with this sort of American Christianity where we, where we, you know, we say things like, you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the things I like about God and, and then the things that are maybe sacrificial and difficult, I just don't know if that, if that fits in my schedule. Like, are you living the mystery? Are you involved in the local church? Like this notion that you can be a solid Christian, a very good Christian, and not be involved in your local church. Like, like when you read this book, it's, it doesn't make sense. It's ludicrous. And God is saying that we need to get involved. I don't know, for me, like for a large part of my life, like, like this was my Christianity. You know, like I, I, I prayed a prayer, like I had a relationship with Jesus. I, I understood the gospel, and then, you know, I started going to a church. And, and for me, it was like... Um, you know, I'm gonna hit like two, two to three out of four Sundays, you know, a month, and, and uh, you know, I'm gonna come to church, and I'm, I'm gonna give a little bit here and there, and then I'll, you know, I'll serve at some big events, and that sort of thing, and that's just what it meant to be a Christian, you know, that's what, that's just what we did, you know, and, and then I started reading this book, and, and, and I, I would say that I was a regular attender at my local church, but when I read this book, what God exposed in me is that though I was a regular attender in his church, I was an irregular believer of the truths in this book. And so I had a choice to make. Like I, I could either continue with this version of Christianity that I was experiencing that really wasn't earth shattering, or I could seek to align my life with what I read in this. And so I chose to repent. I don't know if you know what the word repent means, but that means that you, uh, you, you change the way you think, and then it leads to a change of the way you, you walk. The change of the way you think that leads to a change of action. And so I, I changed some things in my life, and, and I began to, to lock arms with a band of brothers that were headed in the same direction, that they, they knew me, they knew my sin struggles, and I would confess my sin to them, and I'd be like, hey, bro, I'm going on a date tonight. They're like, well, I'm going too. I'm like, all right, man, come on, you know, I, like, all right, you're right, I need you, you know, I need your help, because she's fine, you know, that sort of thing, and so I'm gonna need you there, 
keep an eye, slap my hand away and keep an eye on everything and that sort of thing. And, and we would confess sin to each other and we would study the scriptures together and we would live on mission. And this is what Jesus wants for every one of you if you know Christ. He, he wants you to be about it with a group, with a, with a gang of, of men if you're a man, a gang of women if you're a woman that, man, y'all are, are pushing back the gates of hell together. And, and so I got in community, then I started serving. Like I said earlier, I thought serving was for like special people, but, but God just began to call me into this opportunity just to, to study the Bible and to let people know about it. And like, man, there's so much life when you give your life away. And this is what God wants for us. So I got involved. And church went from something that I did to something that I was. So I want to talk to um, our members, you know, Abundant Life. You, you call Abundant Life home. Like when, when you meet somebody out in the city and they're like, hey, where do you go to church? You're like, I'm, I'm about that Abundant Life, right? And, and so that's where, and maybe you, um, and more specifically, you've gone through membership class. And we, we do this membership class. We call it Next Steps class. And, and we got that lunch. So once a month, if y'all smell lunch cooking, that's for our, our Next Steps class. And maybe you've been through that. And I want to talk to you real quick because I asked Debbie Stiegler. She's um, one of our mobilization um, people on staff. And she uh, gave me some hard numbers about the amount of members that are involved in community and involved in serving. And, and here's what she showed me. That 35% of our members are in an on-site or off-site group. And so what that means is that 65% of those who call abundant life home are not in community. And so like we've we made our core values, like we've we made them known. They're all over our building. And so for me, like when I understand the expectations of the body or of the family, and, and then I look at my life, I've got to measure whether or not I'm in alignment with those things and then I have to adjust accordingly. And so one of our core values is community. And we say this, that people need people. And we believe that because the, the word of God says in Genesis 1 that, that it is not good for man to be alone. And our idiosyncrasies, they grow in isolation. And Satan feasts on the faith of the isolated. And so we want to call you out of hiding and into community. But, but we need your help. And so we want to call you into community and experience in a group and if you call abundant life home but you're not in community let's let's change that uh, Debbie she showed me this as well that 32% of our members are serving that, that means that 68% of those who call abundant life home are not serving and so we have on our walls we have we have serving changed people serve people it's a pithy statement, and it's, it's aspirational on the wall. It's great rhetoric, but we want it to be an actuality in our body. We, we want it to be a reality, not just rhetoric, in our body. And so, man, if you haven't got in the game and started serving, and you call Abundant Life home, let's go. Like, you are not living your best life if you're not giving your life away. Jesus is the MVP of Christianity, and he said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. 
or maybe you're here and, and you're not a member, and maybe you've been checking out things for like uh, uh, maybe six months or something like that. I Man, I want to invite you to this thing we call Dinner with the Pastors. It, it happens next Sunday. It's like, a, it's like this really fun environment. I don't know if you've ever been on a cruise, but you kind of just show up to a table and you meet the people that you're like, oh, where are you from? Wisconsin, you know, and where are you from? I'm from Idaho. And you meet these people and then you just become friends, like right there, because you have the cruise in common. Well, we have the church in common. And so you can come and you sit at a table and it's this in light environment. Pastor Phil usually MCs, you get to meet people. It's awesome, and we want to invite you to take your next step and to get involved and become a part of the thing that Jesus died for. Listen, we need every one of you to start living the mystery. The church is God's favorite creation. Just like when I do leather work and I bring all of these elements together in, in harmony and I create something of beauty and that's, that's rugged and tough and that, that can endure and push back things and that's meant to travel. Like this is, this is the picture that God is bringing all of these things together and we're rugged and we're tough and, and we have this message of love for the world. We're meant to travel. We're useful. We're beautiful. This is the church. Get involved. We want you to be a part so um, growing up, my mom was always in uh, country western bands, and, uh, and so uh, she's actually still in a band to, th to this day. This is them right here, the Lonesome Road Band, all right? They're out in Odessa, Texas, and, and that, obviously this is her. Those other fellows are not my mom, but anyway, and so she plays keys, and, and she sings, and, and my mom instilled in me like this, this appreciation for live music, like live music's way better than than you know, an album or anything like that, in my opinion, because you kind of, you get more depth and you get more, more sound uh, that's just, it's just live. I just love it. And, and, and especially live band music, you know, you have like the bass guitar, the drums, you have all these different instruments that come together. And my mom taught me uh, just the, the appreciation and the beauty of diversity, but listen, in harmony. And I share that with you because the church is like a band, it's made up of different instruments in the hands of God. There's a lot of diversity in the church, and we should celebrate the diversity, but listen, we should be in harmony. And each one of us is playing a part for Christ. And when we play our parts for Christ together and in harmony, there's greater glory that is given to Jesus than when we just have a solo. The church is like a band. Many instruments come together, and listen, you've got an instrument or you've got a groove that is only yours. And that groove, maybe you learned that groove from God through that time you went through cancer. Or maybe you learned that groove from God through that season where you were just struggling. And there were things that God taught you and now you got this groove and, and you gotta bring your groove to the stage and I bring my groove to the stage and, and I can only learn things about God through you. And you can only learn things, some things about God through me and we need each other in harmony. But sadly, too many of us are content with listening to the album when God is saying this, I want you to join the band. I don't want you just to sit back and just appreciate. I want you to be involved. And some of you here, you're like, man, I don't know what part I play in the band, you know? And I remember growing up in a musician's household, surely, you know, my mom was going to ask us to learn an instrument, and that was, that was a struggle, you know? The best instrument I learned was football. And uh, anyway, and so, so my mom gives me a violin, and so I'm, I'm trying to play the violin, and it, it ain't happening. So I get a bigger violin or a guitar, and I'm trying to play the guitar, but it, but it ain't happening. So here's what I learned, that I'm not really that great at stringed instruments, and uh, so I just put those down, and I decided to learn how to play the stool. I'm just kidding. Um, I told y'all that I like leather work, and so um, I decided that I would um, maybe give this drum a try. 
This is, this is an African drum, it's called a djembe. They play these in Uganda. We're gonna use that joke every, every service, it's gonna be great. Anyway, and so I, I got this djembe and, and what I learned is that I got a little groove on the djembe. And here's what I know, that everyone's got a little groove. All right, y'all, y'all ain't getting it. So this is an all skate, all right? And so ladies, I need you to participate in the groove. You're gonna clap on the snare drum, and I'm gonna help you out, okay? So here we go, ladies. Ladies, there you go, keep it going. Okay, guys, we're about to join. Guys, we're gonna pat our leg on the bass drum, okay? So here's what we're gonna do. There you go, everybody. See, you all got a part to play. Y'all keep it going, keep it going. Yeah, keep going. There you go. And you play your part, and I play my part, and we get this groove. It's this beautiful thing where everybody participates. Diversity in harmony. God wants you to join the band. So let's go, church. Thank Jesus, would you with me? Glory to God, Chad, thank you. Great job today. Hey, I wanna ask you a question, seriously. Do you come to church and just enjoy listening to the band? Just like the music? Do you understand what God is saying? He didn't want you just to enjoy the music. He didn't want you just to listen to the band. You're a part of the band. He wants you in the band. You are an instrument in God's hands. And together as the body, we can do things that none of us could individually. Together, it's a thing of beauty. Maybe you ought to take that Next Steps card, take it out to the Next Steps desk and say, hey, help me take the next step. I wanna be a part of the band. Show me a place to play today, and I can promise there's a place in the band. God bless you, we love you so much. Have a really, really awesome Sunday. God bless you, God go with you.